0: Emma How's Fine, you know We're recording Fine. in the daytime for a change Which is weird It is, except
1: the sun hasn't really come up in Belfast today <laughs> at all As far as I tell, it's stopped bothering So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I still do have all of the lights on And have had since 10am So <laughs> it doesn't oh, yeah. feel like the daytime
0: uh, No, it does not I can see light outside my window It's not that dark, but yeah, it's not uh, We have the lights on constantly at the moment
1: Yeah, it's not, it doesn't feel like day really, does it? It's just that the hour says that it's not sleeping time
0: Yeah, everything is grim and grey and dark and I need to get a sad lamp
1: You're going to New Zealand, so you're going to the summer
0: I am going to summer for a month and that's going to be lovely
1: Yeah, you can top up on vitamin D
0: Yeah, it'll be brilliant
1: (laughs) But before that, we have to record the first episode of 2019 Of History is Sexy, the podcast where we answer people's questions about history and make it sexy We do, and who are we? Well, you are Janina Matthewson, writer, podcaster, excellent woman. (laughs) That's who you are.
0: You are Dr Emma Southern, writer, historian, proper knowledgeable person and also excellent woman. Oh, (laughs) Great. There we go. That was (laughs) easy. We've done it. We introduced ourselves. Well done. We deserve a gold star every time we remember to do that. We do,
1: because otherwise we'll just get talking and we won't ever get around to it. And then people will be like, Here are these w- women Who talking to me.
0: Fucking women. Yeah. Whittering on. <laughs>
1: just about stuff. Yeah. But today we are answering two questions at once just to challenge ourselves for the first <laughs> of 2019. Because. Why answer one question when you can answer two?
0: Yeah, and they're, yeah. Com- they're related questions.
1: They are related questions. So we had two questions which were broadly similar, so we thought we would put them together and then we could just talk about the whole phenomenon all at once rather than doing two podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. The first one is from Poppy Leite on Twitter, whose question is, what was the story of the Nuns of Luden? And the second is from a friend of the show... John Freeman, who just likes to ask questions, basically. He's just got a lot of questions. (laughs) What was the history of witches? Is it as sexist as I reckon? So they are very broadly related in that they are both questions about the medieval period, mostly in Europe, where everybody seemed to go a bit crackers and start burning everybody that they could see declaring that they were a demon or a witch or in league with satan somehow
0: i find this sort of stuff really interesting i'd really love to read a proper sociological study i probably wouldn't ever actually read it but i'm vaguely (laughs) theoretically interested in it because i think this is something that we do as a society every so often like we just have this eruption of hysteria and finger pointing about something that is probably made up and like i mean the most obvious parallel is McCarthy-era yeah. political hunts, because obviously that was written about in The Crucible, those two... Have, yeah, yeah, they're linked to align, together. Those yeah. are linked by that. But it is similar, and I think it happens in lots of ways. I think there are similarities to accusations of terrorism like over the last decade or two. I think like it's it's like every so often there's just a tension that has to pour forth where everyone just shouts about how evil and depraved other <laughs> people are. I don't think that that's necessarily an outlier. I think that that is just something that happens, and
1: sometimes it just becomes a bit more tense. Mm, yeah, sometimes <laughs> like it there's always a something. Bit. Yeah, yeah, like the gap between people shouting about reds under the beds and people shouting about Islamist terrorists also under the bed slash in planes. Yeah, is about a decade, and we were just shouting about AIDS then. So it's true. Like there was. There was always somebody who was threatening us in some way. Much as everybody remembers the 90s as a wonderful time. There's always some enemy that's coming to threaten us as the true people who are normal and right. And then there's some outside enemy that is going to threaten us in some way and they look different to us.
0: Yeah, it's all really very high school. It's like the girls at high school who would bully some people so that they didn't get bullied themselves. Like... Yeah. I feel like, sometimes I feel like our entire lives are just an attempt to deflect blame and hate from ourselves by pointing it at someone else. Pretty much. Isn't it fun to be a human? It is, it's great. I mean, humans (laughs) are just kind
1: of like a bit not perfect, as it turns out. Turns out, we're a bit fun. It's all about being like, in order to have an in-group, there has to be an out-group at Mm. any stage. And it doesn't matter how small a microcosm you're talking about, like high school of... I don't know how many people are in a high school. Five hundred people. Probably you have people thirty people in a. Yeah, you have thirty people in a class. That's a tiny amount of people, but there will be an in group of those thirty, and there will be an out group. Yeah. You take the entire population of Europe in the sixteenth century, and there there's an in group and an out group, and the in group is. Well, the in group is complicated because. This the period that we're talking about is the fifteenth through to about like the end of the seventeenth century which is when it spreads to America and really kicks off there and they get really into it. But in Europe, and the time that we're talking about is the time of the Reformation, when the Protestant church splits away from the Catholic church and the hegemony of the church stops being a constant. It stops being just the one church that everybody goes to. Like How you praise God and how you believe in God becomes much more significant. And that's mm. a, a big change. And so immediately both you used to have Christians and non-Christians and now you have different types of Christianity and that is fucking up who the in group is and who the out group is. Yeah, and and it then
0: changes as well. It goes back and forth a couple of times. It goes back and forth quite a lot. Yeah, changes <laughs> and um, it's all very stressful and people keep, again pointing out their neighbours for being papists or being protestants and yeah inventing priest holes so they can hide the clergy and and all of the land getting is grabbed and re-grabbed yeah. and grabbed again and at the same time. time
1: because like once you can question the church you can question everything mm-hmm. this is the period where enlightenment thought is starting to come forward this is the period of like, heidegger and and people starting to think about the concept of rationality Mm -hmm. and which then creates a whole nother set of anxieties and these it's in the middle of these anxieties uh, on a european scale that people start accusing each other of being witches and or demons and sometimes this is a very local issue and sometimes it really kicks off into an international crisis (laughs) but it's all good and fun so we'll start with poppy's question i'm going to assume her name is poppy which is about the nuns of Leiden.
0: which is so fun and i'd never heard of it i'm so (laughs) glad that she asked this question because it is buck wild it it is it's
1: very fun yeah and it's one of those things that um yeah it just it's one of these things that is a real point of kind of contention because it was it's a story that the rationalists got to use in order to prove that the church was full of lunatics and Mm -hmm. idiots um (laughs) and the church got to use in order to prove that there were very real threats like supernatural threats in this world that were necessary Mm -hmm. and it's also historiographically speaking it's a really interesting way of looking at the way that local power struggles could explode into quite different things Mm. into something quite stressful so the year is 1934 Janina 1934 christ now it's not 1634 It's nineteen thirty-four. The words about to start. No, um, it's sixteen thirty-four. I have got a horrible cold, and last night I um I gave a paper. Mm -hmm. I stressed out about for about two days, and then I've not slept very much. So I'm going to get my numbers wrong because I'm all right with everything except numbers. When I'm talking. (laughs) I'm bad (laughs) at numbers anyway. Anyway, the year is sixteen thirty-four, and we are in France. We are down in Protestant part of France like, in the Huguenot territory, basically. Mm-hmm. And there is a presumably crappy little convent, one of these, like, convents that is not famous for anything and doesn't have any cool saints. <laughs> like, not one where there's a saint or anything. It's just a convent. Well, with, maybe like, this
0: is the story. If you've not got anything good going for you, no good saints, not, not famous for having any kind of relic, then just throw in, throw in some witchcraft. Who will remember yeah. you? Sure, why not? If you can't have fame, have notoriety. This is. Well, I tell we can... you, it made
1: them famous and it made them notorious. So <laughs> um, it went very well for them.
0: Yeah.
1: So there's this convent. They are Ursuline nuns, which means that they follow the rule of Ursula. Not really sure what the difference is, but like lot like, different convents have different rules of like how often you're allowed to eat and what you're allowed to eat and stuff. Sure. Blah, blah.
0: And how many like prayer times there are yeah exactly
1: and you know what exactly your habit looks like and stuff Mm -hmm. like that yeah so what happens is suddenly the mother superior whose name is jean d'angies starts having sexy sex dreams janina
0: that's not a very nun-like way to behave it is a bad way to be I can imagine that happening to Kathleen Najimi in uh, Sister Act, <laughs> though. If he um, was going to have some saucy dreams, it was definitely her.
1: Yeah, but I feel like she would be like, well, that's a thing that happens, maybe I'll pray about it.
0: Yeah. And I will definitely also keep it to myself.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, Jean is having sexy sex dreams about the parish priest of the town, which is called Mm Saint-Pierre-de-Marche. The parish priest is a a fairly notorious character himself. His name is Father Urbain Grandier. He has had several scandals already because he's knocked up one girl in the town. His name is Philippa.
0: These are not particularly we've got a very nun-like nun and now a very un-priest like priest. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> so he's done that, and then he's also fallen for another local girl called Madeline,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who he liked so much that he wrote a whole treatise about how priestly celibacy wasn't right, and that actually they should totally be allowed to bang their parishioners.
0: I feel like you would struggle to back that up with like yeah. the text of the Bible. Like, well, I mean, not, not, uh, not the cell. You can argue for, you know, the clergy not being celibate, but like just being allowed to have banging rights over your parishioners. <laughs> that one I think sure. might be a reach.
1: Yeah, I think that that was, you know, that was not necessarily the main point. The main point was like, I shouldn't have to be celibate. The mm-hmm. subtext was, and I should be allowed to bang this girl. So. There was that issue. This all ended up with him being prosecuted for immorality, but because he was very rich and this was quite a small town, he didn't really lose his job. He only lost it temporarily.
0: Sure. I mean, that's a tradition that continues to this day, so I can't really judge the French in this this
1: time. Yeah. And also, you know, there's never a time when there's too many priests, if you know what I mean. Sure. You always need a priest.
0: Yeah, they come in handy.
1: Yeah. So... He's already quite notorious for being a shagger. And he has also caused some more political trouble because he has fucked off Cardinal Richelieu, um, who you may remember from The Three Musketeers.
0: Cardinal Richelieu does not strike me as a man you want to fuck off. No. He is the cartoon villain of, of my all of my... <laughs> Your favourite things? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just swoops around like a bright red bat and disapproves yeah. of things. And also... Is busy having political machinations that could drive you out of the, you know, wherever you are that you want to be. I yes. feel like you want him on your side.
1: You do want him on your side. Unfortunately, our friend Ebaine does not have Richelieu on his side because he has written a anonymous satirical treatise about Richelieu <laughs> and published it, and everybody knows it. it's about him because Richelieu wanted to destroy a castle in Luden. Of course, he did. Because, obviously, Cardinal Richelieu's main aim is to try to convert all of France to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. And this is a Protestant area. And although Father Grandier is obviously uh, Catholic, he is still trying to protect the Protestant area. Mm -hmm. So that's who... Grandier and that is who he was. Obviously, a sexy sex man who mm-hmm. is also a a sexy fighting against the government man.
0: Yeah, so, I like how in his picture on Wikipedia as well, he's a very side eye man. He is a, quite side eye, yes. Yeah. full side eye. And he's he
1: comes out. I have to say, of this apart from the shagging these women, but let's assume that these women were up for it. Yeah, they don't. There's no suggestion that they didn't consent happily to bang mm-hmm. him. So. He's a sexy sex man.
0: Yeah, she and I mean, having it's, sex. It's it by all accounts, he seems to have been like a viable candidate for sex. Apart from yeah. the fact that he was a priest. He's rich. He's good looking. He's yeah smart. He writes know. a good satirical tract. Who doesn't? Who who wouldn't fall for someone who writes a good yeah. satirical exactly. tract? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: She starts having these dreams, and he appears to her as an angel who is trying to seduce her and trying to seduce her into sexy sex acts. Mm-hmm. And she starts making sex noises I've been really in the night,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which goes down very badly. And so she confesses to what she's done, and they try to. Like she gets involved in some flagellation, so she, they try to whip it out of her. They try, She tries to mm-hmm. confess it out of her. And it doesn't work, but what it does do is draw quite a lot of attention to it. And before you know it, <laughs> a load of other nuns in the area have started having sexy sex dreams about Father Grandier and started making noises in the night. And the clear implication immediately is that this must be demons. Sure. Because the only reason that a nuns would be having so many sex dreams about their priest would be if demons had got involved to fuck up their relationship
0: because you can't just have a sex dream it's got to come from somewhere and then things
1: start to escalate quite a lot and you start getting stories of these there's quite a lot of (laughs) variation in the things so we have obviously the sex dreams and making sex noises Uh, we have nuns being slapped by invisible entities a human skeleton walking the corridors uh, at night at one point, a big black ball rolls around <laughs> the refectory and knocks some nuns over. Jesus, where finally, did it go? And worst, they laugh immodestly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That—that's a definite sign of demonic activity. Is the nun yeah. having a laugh? <laughs> it
1: is immodestly. <laughs> so this has become a problem. We've now got obvious demonic activity. In the nunnery Mm -hmm. And so some exorcists Are brought in Kind of semi-professional At this point And they hold... Kind of your general like exorcist type exorcisms. It would be good if that film had a better title for that sentence, but you know what I mean. <laughs> like they shout, "The power of Christ compels you." Yeah, at throw some around nuns. some holy
0: water, brandish some yeah. crucifixes, that sort of thing.
1: And the nuns do exactly what uh, Linda Reagan does in The Exorcist. They scream. They could contort around their bodies and unnatural poses. Linda they Blair. S- Linda Blair. Sorry, mm. it's Reagan is the Reagan name. Reagan is of the, the character. And- yeah. Yeah, exactly what Reagan does Yeah, with the screaming and the contorting and the twisting and the swearing and the making sexual motions, as they like to say in the texts. Mm -hmm. And they're bumping and grinding. They're bumping and grinding and, you know, doing all of the stuff that is evidence of uh, possession. So speaking in languages that they're not supposed to know and rah, rah, rah. Yeah. And so it's at this point that they start to claim that this all began when father grandier who up until this had just been going around being a mildly depraved priest threw some <laughs> suspicious roses over the wall of the nunnery and that i like this as a method
0: ago. of cursing people just what, like
1: throwing in some flowers fling,
0: yeah just fling a flower over the walls and thus they are cursed Yes, there's probably
1: something in the vast amount of literature that people wrote in the 17th century about this about how precisely throwing razors in <laughs> into a nunnery is a curse. But anyway, they basically say all of these nuns say it was Father Grandier that did it. At this point, nothing seems to be going well with the idea like the getting rid of demons part so (laughs) everybody goes away and has a think about it and then they send four further exorcists in so we've got four big famous exorcists from the vatican experts are sent in and they decide that the best possible thing that you could do would be to have public
0: exorcisms
1: Sure. And this is where everything really kicks off. Up until this point, this is a kind of weirdo local issue where obviously people in France had probably heard of it. But this, this becomes like an international sensation. People travel from all over to come and see the nuns wanking themselves off and swearing at the priests. Like this is a great time for the family holiday. <laughs> People come from all over. It's like seven thousand people are turning up at these exorcisms, <laughs> like just to watch. Because who doesn't want to see that?
0: Yeah. And it fills us, it's it's filling stadiums, is what you're it saying. This, it's um, a, it's a great time out for all the family. Yeah, these sexy nuns and their exorcisms.
1: It's sexy nuns, they are talking about their sexy sex dreams They're rubbing themselves all over stuff They're screaming, they're talking And they are, um, particularly the Mother Superior in Naming the demons that have, that ha- that have possessed them um, And their names are as Asmudius, Zabimon, Asteroth, Restyl, Restyl, Armand. Armand I like Armand <laughs> <laughs>
0: Leviatum, mm-hmm. Behemoth,
1: Hairy mm-hmm. Aesias, mm-hmm. Celsus Achaos Nephilim Cham Uriel and So they've got to know you... their demons quite well. Yeah. And they are all pointing the finger at Grandier. They're all saying he summoned us. Like this is the demons, obviously. They're all sure. saying he summoned us and he brought us here to to I don't know, God knows where he's supposed to get out of it, to be honest. No one ever makes that particularly clear. But what happens
0: And I mean, he just <laughs> is like doing doing Devilish witchy stuff that you. Yeah,
1: it, it's its own reward. It is its own thing, reward. It's know? a good time, like. Yeah. So, this then becomes a, a trial. It, it, the focus kind of switches away from the big public exorcisms and towards uh, a proper trial, grandier for the crime of witchcraft, mm-hmm. of summoning demons and doing magic, and during this crime. During this initial part of the trial, one of the nuns, presumably, um, speaking with the voice of Asmodeus, reveals a piece of paper which he claims to have
0: stolen from
1: Satan's own filing cabinet.
0: (laughs) This is my favourite thing. Like, imagine... Let's just take a moment and imagine Satan's office, you know, with presumably... Just ranks of filing cabinets full of documents on everyone. Does he have a secretary? Does he maybe have a few? Like, I feel like there'd be an administrative load. I mean, very specifically,
1: he has all of the pacts that have been written between everyone that they have made an agreement with to to possess, basically. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I've made an agreement with this person. So, yeah, it's stolen from Lucifer's cabinet of pacts. (laughs) <laughs> it is written and signed in blood by Grandier and various demons. Mm-hmm. So all the demons have signed it and you can see this on Wikipedia uh, and I highly recommend looking at it because basically all of the demons just <laughs> seem to have drawn a picture of a demon just like, like
0: little little doodles and their signatures. Yeah.
1: Like two one of them is drawn like a stick man holding what looks like an umbrella
0: and a pitchfork. <laughs> One looks he's drawn what looks like a manatee holding a pitchfork. Yeah, I like, it, the, I like the manatee that one holding it. Uh, with like a bird on a
1: on a tree yeah. above it. One's drawn like a little kind of heart thing with a moon inside it. It's lovely. Yeah. And that is the signatures of all the demons. It, it's great. So that appears and obviously everyone's like, well, he's damned now. <laughs> <Look at laughs> like this pact we've got. No one's coming back from this obvious pact. <laughs> but but he refuses to admit it. He won't confess. And they really, really want a confession. Confession is really important. Like nothing. The demons can say whatever they like but And they can present whatever they like But if you can't trust demons, obviously So their <laughs> evidence alone Is not ideal for for Condemning somebody So they try to, very hard To get him to confess And obviously what try very hard means In this context is they torture the fuck out of him
0: They also so, um, shave him In search for a devil's mark Which I love because Devil's marks, is which are also Sometimes called witch's teeth Mm-hmm. Which um, I think normally when people hear the phrase "witch's teeth," they think like the breast of a woman who is a witch, but it can mean a mark that indicates they've made a pact with the Anything devil at
1: all. Yeah, and it can
0: be yeah a mole or a scar or a birthmark or whatever. And um, it's know, whatever kind of just happens limit. to look
1: vaguely unusual yeah. at the time. Um, I have.
0: I reckon if I was being tried as a witch and they were looking for a witch marks, I have a chicken scar in one of my in the middle of one of my eyebrows. I think that's what they'd oh. go for. I have
1: a mole on my bum And I think that they would go for that Mm. Yeah they would definitely That's what they would choose So yeah that's what they look for They can't really find one so they torture him Um, And there is a book from 50 years later From 1693 Which is called This is a Protestant text obviously It's called The Cheats and Illusions of Romish Priests and Exorcists Discovered in the History of Devils of Luden uh, By Nicholas Albin And it describes him being, yeah, stripped and shaved and then blinded and then probed with a stabber, like stabbed basically, and then put having his arms and legs put between two planks is a fairly common form of torture. You put, they like kind of tie your arms and legs between two planks and then put heavy stones on it so until they would eventually break. But at no point does he confess. One of the kind of most impressive things about him is that at no point... It, after all of the torture that he's put through, after all of the quite a lot of pressure that he's put under socially, and the fact that literally the king's cardinal is coming after him, and he tries to get involved. He does some of the exorcisms himself, some of the private ones and the public ones, like to try and prove his innocence. But kind of once you have had the finger pointed at you, there's no real way of getting out of it. And so, so they have this trial. He still won't confess, so they have to have witnesses come forward. So they get a couple of, like, both of the girls that he shagged to come forward and say that they totally saw devil stuff. And they find, like, 90 people to come forward and say, oh, yeah, I definitely saw him doing some devil stuff in the woods. But some of the nuns who have now recovered from their from their demonic possession though not all of them have recovered uh, but some of them including the mother superior are try to testify in his defense they try to come forward and say it wasn't him i know that we did say that it was but actually we're doing it and this is where it takes a, a particular turn which leads has led a lot of people to read it this as a concerted and deliberate effort to get mm-hmm. rid of Grandier rather than anything actually demonic is that the person leading the trial makes it illegal to defend Grandier and he it says seems, any <laughs> um,
0: it seems <laughs> not particularly in the service of justice that it's particular- not great
1: for truth or justice no or the- so he basically says anyone who, appears as a witness for the defense will have their property confiscated and they will be tried for treason Great. so <laughs> sure. everyone who has already testified has to leave the country and oddly no one else comes forward mm. and as a result of this excellent trial which is a lot like that trial in Blackadder the fourth where Melchett is trying Blackadder for killing and eating his favorite pigeon and he is both the judge and the only witness for the prosecution uh-huh. and opens the trial by asking for the black hood and saying we're here <laughs> to for the trial of the terrible murderer Black Adder <laughs> um, so it's a lot like that mm-hmm. And so mysteriously, and I'm sure this will shock you, Grandier was found guilty of, mm, who would <laughs> of the guess? magic and the witchcraft and the consorting with Satan and raising the demons and signing the pact. And he is sentenced to death. He is originally sentenced to be hung and then have his body be burned. But some of his particular enemies interfered and lit the the fire before he could be properly hung. So he mm-hmm. did end up being horribly burned to death.
0: That's rough. That's a rough and way that, to go.
1: Interestingly is not the end because the possessions and the exorcisms continue for another two years. And it's not until sixteen thirty seven that nuns stop claiming to be possessed there.
0: And nothing else? No more investigations?
1: Not really, no. They were just like, oh well I'm sure it'll go away in the end. <laughs>
0: I guess it did.
1: Yeah, and eventually it did. But this was a, a real sensation and is one of the most famous cases of medieval demonic possession, in part because it went on for so long. It went on for years. And because it was so public and they did it in public, so everybody knows about it. And because it went on for so long, lots and lots of people wrote about it and lots of people would go and have a look at it and then write letters about it. So there's quite a like, like, huge amount of documentation of everything that was going on, which is very good fun. Yeah. And there's obviously two interpretations. The first interpretation is that it, well, okay, three interpretations. First interpretation is that it was a demonic possession,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and this guy either Raised some demons or was blamed for raising some demons that's one interpretation the second interpretation is it's a mass hysteria Mm -hmm. of the kind that we tend to um apply to witch trials like when we have a mass outbreaks of hysteria
0: yeah and And there are lots of different forms of that sort of thing as well like the dancing disease and yeah Um, and it faint the fainting thing which seems to crop up every so often yeah like in girls
1: schools and things yeah yeah. Mm. and there is certainly at least a couple of people that i could find who there's a guy called moshe sluchowski who wrote an article a few years ago about all of the european cases of possession occurrences within religious communities that he could find and he found that they exclusively occur within female communities so they exclusively occur within nunneries within convents and there were 45 of them across about a century and a half but only the french ones got linked to witchcraft which is interesting but he reads them as a peculiarly feminine expression of the relationship between human and divine which is a really interesting way of reading it. And the third reading is that this was a put-up job where the nuns were faking it on purpose in order to get rid of Grandier. right? And that is one of the most common readings. That was a reading at the time because Grandier was, one, clearly a problem. Um, (laughs) He is not a great priest. He's not making anybody look good. Priests really shouldn't knock up the young women of no. Paris, And then he, because he got his job back after being, like, found guilty of immorality, the bishop who has uh, the excellent name uh, Chostinier de la roche <laughs> is yeah, extremely cross about the fact that he got his job back
0: mm-hmm.
1: and really doesn't want him to be around and would really quite like to get rid of him. And obviously he has fucked off Cardinal Richelieu. Mm-hmm. And Cardinal Richelieu has a particular interest in this area because it is on the boundary of kind of Catholic France and Huguenot France. Mm-hmm. And what this does for the Catholic Church is it causes a lot of very useful conversions. A lot of people see the the exorcisms, see the success of them, see the kind of terror of them and mm-hmm. convert to Catholicism as a result, which is great for the church. So it's a two for one for Richelieu and for the bishop. and the so the argument is that the bishop enlisted the help of the mother Superior uh, Jean d'Angers, to feign these possessions and then she enlisted the rest of her nuns and that they right. all went along with it and that is why at the end they kind of turned around and said, actually he didn't do it. Yeah. But they weren't allowed to testify properly because that would reveal the whole... Plot. Exactly. Yeah. And then that obviously is the explanation for why nobody was allowed to defend Grandier on on pain <laughs> of treason. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which just is taking things a bit far, really.
1: It is. It's like, well, we don't even want this to look in any way good at the moment. Like, And 1643 is like, we're well into a period when people were into, like you know actual trials and justice and we weren't to like went into yeah. a trial by ordeal or anything anymore so that is the third interpretation now really it is it is up to the listener to decide how they feel about it <laughs> there is no correct answer i suspect yeah. that the the fact that they do whip out the pact it feels like it undermines the <laughs> argument that it's real a little bit yes Because it's clearly silly. (laughs) (laughs) And there is a clear benefit, political benefit to everybody to get rid of Grandier, bless him, who really was just an irritant. Yeah, just a horny wee irritant. But it is interesting if you read it that way, if you read it as a deliberate attempt by pretty much the entire religious community of Ludon to fake this and go through with it in order with on the with the belief that this will be 100 percent successful that they are going to do this it kind of shows how embedded already the idea of magical possessions and and, and demonic behavior yeah. was within the europe like this was considered to be a reasonable <laughs> yeah. way to deal with what is really just a political, local power struggle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is interesting in its own way, regardless of whether, you know, if if it, if it is all just a, a big plot, the idea that you would go to that. Like, we now live in yeah. a world... Of,
0: like, this of- is a thing that people will believe. If I pretend that yeah. this guy has invited demons to possess nuns, people will believe it and back it up and no one will question it. That is yeah. the world we live
1: in. And it is very similar to a few other incidents. So there's these 45 other cases of female religious persecution, and there's five other ones in France. And the French seem to really go for them. They're real big fans of the whole <laughs> idea. There is one in 1611, which is almost identical, which is in aux provence where the nuns go into some kind of demonic hysteria where they claim that there is demonic activity and where the their priest is found guilty of possessing of kind of raising these demons and of, of mm-hmm. cursing them and of being a magician and he is not burnt, he not Like, he's burnt at the bush, um, so they go out of their way to burn him using slow and low-burning wood. And one of the big things is that they they really want it to be a a slow death. (laughs) They don't want it to burn hot and fast, which is nasty as fuck. And there are kind of stories which go well back... Like a century before this Of people becoming Of people in France being possessed And It was first called out as fake By a girl called Martha Prossier In 1578 Who Mm -hmm. is like one of the most Notorious fakes of The medieval period Like through all of her She did a full on I am possessed Mm -hmm. situation And then everybody was like No you aren't (laughs) Which I enjoy Yeah So you know They were They had a line Somewhere
0: uh, Yeah <laughs> Maybe it's just Your skills as an actor
1: <laughs> Maybe But there's like A lot of different
0: I like how um, One of the symptoms <laughs> One of the symptoms That she claimed Was the ability The symptom Of demonic possession That Martha Prozier Claimed Was that she could Stick her tongue out Unreasonably far <laughs>
1: <laughs> See i uh, it's really good when they get into, like, what is a way of proving that we are demonically possessed and they'll just come up with fuck fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, she's got a facial spasm. Like, she talks in a funny voice.
0: Yeah.
1: Like, she was able to talk with her mouth shut is another one that's really good. Like, nice. All right.
0: <laughs> you kind of think, like, she was just born in the wrong time. Like, if she'd lived in the 20th or 21st century... She could have been like a voiceover artist or a contortionist yeah. or like a pro, uh, um, a stunt double, but those options weren't available and she had to use her skills somehow. So fake demonic position, why not?
1: It's true. Um, So she was... <laughs> this is truly really good, actually, just in her own right. She was uncovered as a fake because they didn't really believe her and so they decided to test it by giving her a copy of Virgil and telling her that it was the bible and then she reacted badly to it and like ah, <laughs> like screaming and and exorcisming it and uh, and it turned, like and then they were like well it's just it's it's Virgil. just Virgil it's like, it the eclogs like no one feels that strongly about bees <laughs> so that was how they they showed her up yeah so that is the nuns of luden but that is basically one incident in thousands of incidents across Mm -hmm. two solid centuries of pain basically in europe where witchcraft and the idea of magic became something that everybody was very 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 afraid of and that the church felt needed to be both the Protestant and the Catholic Church felt needed to be handled in a very violent way as publicly and painfully as possible, (laughs) ideally. Which is, I think, one of the interesting things about all of those examples, apart from Martha who was faking it, is that it was not the women who were punished because the image that we have pretty much mostly from Salem and the Pendle witch trials is that the vast... That it was all about persecuting specifically women and it was a misogyny issue more than as much as anything but what we have here is women as victims yeah of men and you see it like there's another example of a woman called elizabeth de reinfang in germany in 1617 who was a victim and she was allegedly poisoned by a doctor who gave her some kind of magical love potion because she turned him down, she wouldn't marry him So he gave her a magical love potion And she went mad and got ill And so he was prosecuted for it And he was prosecuted for doing magic And he was killed and rah 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 rah, rah. Yeah. And you do see more than that Than you would expect From the from the modern inter- Like modern versions of it Like when you see witches On... In films, when you see mad- like medieval magic, you see it in like Monty Python's Holy Grail, and yeah. it's just a woman and she weighs the same as a duck. So- <laughs> <laughs> and you see these kind of ludicrous things. Yeah. And it's always a, a woman and it's always a kind of mud village mm-hmm. full of mud people. And they are always accusing her of something innocuous, basically. Yeah. But it can it got to be a big grand thing, and men were also wrapped up with it. It's not so much yeah. a misogyny issue as it is a genuine terror of magic.
0: Um, seems to be like the rates seem to be quite varied depending on the region. Like you, uh, yes, there was an there's an issue in the New Statesman with yes, a historian, Doctor Uh Wanda Wapolska, I think.
1: Yes, yeah, um, talking about Polish, witches. yeah,
0: who points out that in um the area that is now Ukraine, Russia, and Finland. of the people accused were men, where Mm -hmm. the worldwide rate is about a quarter were men. So it is like, the hysteria around witchcraft was pretty widespread, but there were regional specificities specificities to how it played out.
1: Um, And when you look at academic books about witchcraft, you will see that they will, almost without exception, break it down into regional differences so mm. northern Europe west can look like continental Europe Britain and they will if they're not dealing with it in in some kind of regional way then they're dealing with it way too broadly like we are but we're not an academic book, so it doesn't matter. No,
0: we're just here being sexy. Yeah. It is one of those things that I sometimes wonder if the narrative the like sort of modern narrative we have around witchcraft and how we perceive like not looking at it academically but how we perceive historical witchcraft Revolving around women, I wonder how much that comes out of the the so that like the idea that part of witchcraft was having sex with the devil, which yes. does come up a lot, and it does come up a lot. It's a very um, tantalizing little tidbit. So I can kind of see how maybe that took on a, a greater significance maybe in people's minds than it should have had, and over time distorted this whole thing to be about women being
1: yeah that women are the evil ones Um, and there are of
0: course claims that as like for example as medical practice became a a male area and where it had predominantly been women in the past there are women being published for having knowledge that men don't understand so yeah particularly around sexual health and that sort of thing but i don't know how much you can really back that up like it's, it's a logical thing to see but yeah i don't know yeah the thing with the medical
1: issue is it's good. You've got two lines of thoughts coming together, and they both kind of punish the local medicine woman, basically, mm-hmm. like that trope of the local medicine woman who is the woman that you go to if you need help and you don't piss her off. And the first is the kind of emerging sense of rationality and what will eventually become medicine as a science, Mm -hmm. which wants to distrust female medicine. And the other is the church, which develops the doctrine that flowers and herbs and, you know, and and dirt don't have magical powers by themselves. And if you are mixing them and giving them to people and they are healing them then you must, then the devil is involved in that. Yeah. Like, basically, even if you're not necessarily doing it on purpose, like, you, if you, their full focus is that if you are giving someone a flower and it heals them, then magic has been done. Yeah. And therefore you are, and the only way that that can be done is not done through Christ, because that would only be done by the church. That ha- can only have been done by the devil. Yeah. So that hits that is what hits your Healers local healing your woman wives <laughs> yeah yeah because you know they are giving people herbs and we now know that like you can give people herbs and it will heal them and you can give people some you yeah know, aspirin is from a willow tree or whatever it is like you can give people like natural things and it will heal them <laughs> but as far as they were concerned this is a natural thing if it's healing you, it's because you've done magic. Yeah, and that's a that's a real problem, particularly in Northern Europe. It's like in Northern Europe that the rural local magic woman gets hit a lot. Yeah, and that's where you see a lot of the the things like the Pendle witches, who are a bit later on, but they're like they are guilty whether they like it or not within that interpretation.
0: Yeah. I don't and know anything. The Pendle Witches, this is what I find really interesting having grown up in New Zealand is when I learned about anything to do with witch trials it was very American centric. I didn't hear like the only thing I know about the Pendle Witches is is what I read in Good Omens
1: (laughs) and watched in Doctor Who and watched in Doctor Who the other night yeah (laughs) yeah All right, I'll tell you about the Pendle Witches in that case so this is 1612 Mm -hmm. in England this is you can imagine it as the like the shit mud village in the Holy Grail right (laughs) because that's basically what this is this does end up being one of those situations (laughs) and what you have is two families led by two old old women they're very poor they're very like they're dirt poor beggar people basically like they're not working particularly they are pretty tied up in criminal activity they are what we would call the underclass (laughs) sure and where they're mostly getting their survival from is by being the local healers but like you know in the moving finger when Marple's talking about like oh there's a woman at the edge of every village and she Uh will just say every time a child falls over and breaks his leg she'll say oh yeah Jimmy stole my apple so Mm -hmm. I did that yeah or a child gets the flu and she'll be like that'll teach him to curse me Mm -hmm. and before you know it you get a reputation for being the person who you don't fuck over because and everybody will bring you a pie in order to not in order to keep on, on your eye. Yeah. Yeah, they're those people. So on the one side is a woman called Elizabeth Southerns, who is known as Old Demdike
0: mm-hmm. And
1: she has her family. And then the other side is Anne Whittle and her daughter, Anne Redfern. And Anne Whittle is like 85, practically blind, like a little wizened old crone and is very angry all the time. Mm-hmm. And she's called Old Chattocks. So we have old Chattox and old Demdike And they fucking hate each other Great Demdike And they start using the accusations of the other one being a witch In order to try and get rid of each other basically Sure Um, And they've been doing this for years Like Demdike accuses Chattox of bewitching her husband to death And then they both get accused of They both accuse each other of convening with Satan And they're just like constantly sniping at each other They just hate each other And it all comes to a head when Demdike asks Some travelling salesperson Called John If he will sell her some pins And he says Uh no get away from me You gross old lady mm-hmm. And so she curses him This is probably an ordinary Everyday conversation Between a, <laughs> of somebody who's only Marginally above the mud woman And a mud woman Sure <laughs> And I'm sure she, oh, she doesn't sound lovely She sounds dreadful But she curses him Coincidentally he gets ill and his family who are not really from the area complain to the justice of the peace and say that woman cursed uh, john he's now sick she's obviously doing magic get rid mm-hmm. of them so they basically like chase them through the woods and he arrests both of the families he arrests basically everyone he can see and it's just like i'm fucking fed up with this i'm gonna arrest all of you and locks them away in a castle. There is an attempt to break them out, which goes badly and ends up with even more people being locked up, and they are all put to the torture until they all admit that they have been frolicking in the woods with a demon called Tib, who it's sometimes a good name have... for a demon. It's it cute. is. I assume he's from a different race of demons from Asmodeus yeah. and Zabulon because yeah, he, they have sounds a little more fun. Like Asmodeus, Zabulon, like they sound like Old Testament names. Tib yeah uh, maybe it's short for something maybe um but they like they obviously none of them can agree on how he appears so some of them he's a cut dog some of them he's a cat some of them he's a boy in a brown jacket some of them he's an imp they agree that they have definitely been responsible for every death that has occurred in the past however many years <laughs> sure. everyone is a like a murder victim of them every cow that has died in the vicinity for the past however many years anyone wants to say they agree to and then they start getting they have a trial and they get all these people to come forward and obviously everyone comes forward with a story because nobody likes them and everybody wants to be famous sure so of which the best is a woman called Grace Sourbutts <laughs>
0: <laughs> like she was she, she was the the perfect time to have that name like, <laughs> this,
1: yes that's beautiful so she comes forward and says that they had been tormenting her with magic and they totally made her fuck a demon and they bewitched her so that she would murder babies who knows where these babies came from or went? another person comes forward and says that margaret pearson who is the member of the elizabeth southerns family that she had uh, given a child some milk which was apparently the only behaviour that anyone could agree she'd ever done but it was (laughs) definitely not normal milk it was milk made with an imp in the form of a toad. Sure of course So basically it is everybody in Pendle having just a really good time coming up with their best stories Mm -hmm. and just having a lot of fun and obviously they're all found guilty and they're all killed. It's all really just this bizarre like It is just very poor people (laughs) in a kind of shit bit of England (laughs) (laughs) being in a very, very well-recorded trial because lots of people writing about it. It went on again for ages. Lots Lots of people got to talk about it. The trials were very public and there were two of them. Like, it just got very, very well recorded. And you can, like, read the pretty much day by day of going through, like, the various different funds. They all have great names. Like, one is called Alice Nutter. Alice um, Nutter is
0: ju- That's just... You couldn't ask. You couldn't make it up. No. It's all great. Yeah.
1: John Bullcock. Jane and John Bullcock. It's all right. great. It's very good. Yeah. Um, it was all written about by... Like, lots of people, but mostly one of the clerks. So it's all just... It just seems to be everybody having a great time, really. Mm-hmm. And just in a really nasty way. Like, it just gets... This is one of those things, I think, where it almost feels like everybody just wanted to be involved. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like, you know that... When there's been like a gruesome murder, particularly high-profile murder, the police will never re- release all of the information about the murder because so many people will come forward and claim responsibility for yeah. it. Yeah, that they need a way to weed out the ones that are lie- lying. Yeah, yeah, because that is a thing that happens that people do. Like they will come forward and claim that they did a terrible murder, and they the police have now had to build into the system a way to find out who the real murderer (laughs) was and that is how people are that is just on the base level people will try to get involved in shit in any way possible (laughs) Uh and that's what happens with the pendle witches everyone comes forward and is like hi i once saw them with a cat and i believe that that cat was in fact a demon
0: (laughs) Yeah yep.
1: have you seen the episode of Inside Number 9 which is about the witch trials which yes. i think is yes like it's that like i saw her with the mouse and she was talking to the mouse the mouse is her familiar and i saw her and she's going they just want my house (laughs) (laughs) of course a big reveal at the end of that she actually is a witch um like that's basically a pretty accurate description of what the vast majority of this things ended up being particularly in northern europe
0: yeah it's just ludicrous accusations that don't mean anything
1: interestingly in southern and continental europe like in italy and spain and france those small town little we're gonna make this like poor person who's done really nothing wrong except be a rubbish person (laughs) ridiculously famous for centuries by burning her doesn't really happen they just have the big like they have lots of group Possessions and mm-hmm. group issues and like big urban things. They happen in towns and in cities rather than in little rural. tiny villages in R- the mud. Exactly, which is interesting.
0: It is interesting.
1: And it's good fun. Yeah. You can go on for ages about like all of the thousands of people that were accused and what they were accused of. Yeah. Mostly it's frolicking inwards with a demon and shagging a demon. But that really, really comes out when you get to America. America uh, is
0: a fun time Yeah, because um,
1: the Puritans take it with them to America And then, like the Puritans <gasps> did with everything They took it, they just decided this, to amplify it. They turned everything. it up to
0: 11 And like, <laughs> They it's, turned it up to 11 It's it's one of those things where, like, this is So if you, we're going to, I'm going to talk a little bit about Salem Because Salem is the biggest yeah. incident of this kind in America and I know nothing about Salem really because I've never read the
1: Crucible.
0: I've crucible. seen oh, Easy A. The, the Crucible. <laughs> no, the Easy A is is not the Crucible. Easy A is the one about the woman who has an affair. What's it called? Um, oh yeah, Scarlet Letter. Yes, yes. The Scarlet Letter. There you go. That's how little I know. But I believe that Winona Ryder was in both of those movies, so it's fair, a fair thing to confuse. So, it, oh no, maybe it was. Demi me more in a Scarlet letter. Anyway, anyway, so you've got this whole area of America up in on the northeast coast in New England, with Massachusetts and Connecticut, that was pretty much entirely settled by the Puritans, which basically means the people who were a bit too much for the early Protestants. Which says a lot because yeah, the early Protestants does. were very into killing people for being Catholic. Yes, and PC, then yeah, yeah, there was this PC group the of were group like we talk
1: about Queen Anne, yeah, no, yes, Mary, yes.
0: But yeah, then there was this group that was just like, "No, you're a bit too, a bit too zealous, a bit too hardline for us. So you can fuck <laughs> off to the colonies. Yeah, Charles so the second can kick them out. Yeah, So that's this entire area of these very, very didactic, hard-nosed, hyper-conservative religious people. And before all of this started, this particular area of Massachusetts, uh, which is made up of Salem Town, Salem Village, Ipswich and Andover already had a reputation in the area for being particularly quarrelsome. Mm-hmm. They were constantly complaining about each other. There were huge, like, law cases about whose cow was allowed to graze where. And <laughs> it was it was a lot of petty feuds going on that, like, lasted for ages and were about nothing. They also weren't very good at holding on to ministers. So their first two ministers, one of whom would later be accused and executed in the witch trials... Both left after a couple of years because the congregation wasn't paying them properly. So they had this huge trouble just being organised. And it got to this point where their minister was a man called Samuel Paris, who was a bit shit at dealing with all of the petty disputes that came up in the Paris parish because yep. his method of dealing with people doing things that were a little bit maybe rude was to publicly shame them, which of course makes everything worse. Yeah, So everyone it really is, goes well It does not go well So everyone is miserable, everyone hates each other already And there's a lot of tension and a lot of hatred All around just many emotions And there were also all of these rumours that would, over the last few decades That there were, were witches around There had been in the previous, I don't know, three or four decades There had been 12 women executed across Massachusetts and Connecticut For witchcraft, by the time we get to this point, which is February 1692. So it was a few years after all the kerfuffle in France and uh, the Pendle Mm -hmm. witches and that sort of thing. There's two cousins, Betty Paris and Abigail Williams, who were nine years old and 11 years old, respectively. Which is, uh, the Crucible paints Abigail as like a teenage temptress, but she was 11. She was a child (laughs) um, who had had a (laughs) particularly traumatic life. I mean, she lived as a Puritan colonist. Yeah. everything was against her. <laughs> yeah, and her parents had been killed, I think, by Native Americans and while she was in the house, she'd had a she'd had a rough time and she was kind of billeted out to families who didn't really want her mm-hmm. afterwards. But so basically the two of them start having fits and they start uh, contorting their bodies and screaming a lot and they claim that they're being pinched by invisible hands and pricked with pins. And slowly the symptoms that they are expressing spread. Amongst all of the, well, a lot of the young girls of that area, a lot of the teenage girls um, who were all kind of working in as servants in each other's family houses. So you get a girl from another family to come and be your servant for a while. Mm-hmm. So the symptoms begin spreading through a lot of these young women, like from child, from I think the oldest was 18 and the youngest are properly children. And eventually they accuse three women of witchcraft. And these three women are Tituba, who is a slave. Probably South American, maybe African, no one really knows, Uh, but she had definitely come to New England via Barbados, and the claim was that she had learnt some witchcraft there. Interesting. Um, interesting. Another accused, early accused, was Sarah Good, who was a homeless woman who was basically seen as someone who didn't live up to their ideals of sort of self-discipline and restraint. Mm Mm-hmm and Sarah Osborne, who had committed the very great crime of marrying an indentured servant, which people saw as an attempt to disinherit her son from her previous marriage, Mm -hmm. and also she didn't come to church a lot. So you've got these three people who are kind of outcasts from society who get accused of witchcrafts, which is all fine, so no one really cares. Mm -hmm. But then a woman in the community named Martha Corey, who was like a pillar of the community, really committed to the church, really respectable. Respectable. She claimed that she thought the girls were faking it and that she didn't believe that that the three women were witches. So the Mm -hmm. girls accused her as well, along with another (laughs) hyper-respectable woman called Rebecca Nurse. And... Sarah Good's four-year-old daughter, Dorothy, as well. So another three were... And they were all arrested, including four-year-old. You know what four-year-olds are like? I know. Hanging around
1: with demons.
0: Dorothy was used as a... Like, her confession, which was an official confession, even though she was four years old, was used to further implicate her mother um, because she told stories about snakes biting them and all these sorts of weird things. Because, you know, she was a
1: four-year-old. She's a four year old Everything that a four year old does is weird
0: Yeah But this is where things really start to go back wild Because Martha Corey and Rebecca Nurse Open up the possibility of anyone Being a witch Because they're so respectable And I keep trying to say respectable. It's not a word. (laughs) so respectable and upright. and um, Invented, Janina. You own it. (laughs) I own it. So paranoia starts to rise a little bit and accusations start coming thick and fast, including um, Elizabeth Proctor, who is accused by the girls and whose husband, John Proctor, then raises such a fuss about how ridiculous it is that she could possibly be a witch that he gets arrested as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, one of the early accusers, Mary Warren, one of the young girls, recants her testimony and claims they were making up. So the girls will turn on her and say that she was also a witch. So she gets arrested. She confesses and starts just listing, wildly listing co-conspirators um, in an <laughs> attempt she to can avoid remember. hanging. And she's not the only one that does that. Like A lot of people just start listing off names of people that they have frolicked with the devil with to try and escape the death sentence mm-hmm. themselves. So all told, two hundred people were accused of witchcraft, and several of them That's died so in jail. So many, so <laughs> many. It just like it just rolled on, and and just a ridiculous number of people, especially when you consider how small a community this yeah. was. Like, it's like it's a, not all of the community. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. So two hundred people were accused. Several of them died in jail, including Sarah Osborne, who was one of the first named, mm-hmm. and then. In total, 19 people were hanged, including John Proctor. But his wife, Elizabeth, was given, she was convicted, but she was pregnant. So they didn't execute her. And by the That's time, nice. and then a short time after this, everyone's like, well, that was nonsense. We should let everyone who's still in jail go, probably. And so she, <laughs> so she went on and she married again and um, had a lot of trouble trying to reclaim the lands that the state had stolen because she and her husband were accused of being witches, yeah. Um, so fourteen women and five men were hanged, and then there's Giles Corey, who is just such a fucking rock star. So he's <laughs> the husband of Martha Corey, who was one of the two yep. more respectable women to be accused at the at the start of everything, and he just ref- refused to respond to. He was accused of being a witch, and he refused to respond. So in order to try and get literally anything out of him they pressed him which is when you lie someone flat on the back and you put flat stones on them you keep Mm -hmm. adding stones as a method of torture to try and coerce a plea but all he would say was put more on put more on and he died of basically that weight being pressed down on his lungs Yep. nice yeah but but what a, what a rock star I love jazz Corey I like that there's a
1: Quite often one That is just like Look I'm not getting involved In this Like Yeah Like Grandier Like no
0: yeah. Just no like, You can't this, torture this, this Out me. no
1: me Which is tough Like that Like that's One half of the community effectively turning Against the other half And everybody getting involved And you have to Basically give up your life In order to Not be Remembered as a witch Yeah Like like you can take it, but at least you can't yeah. say that you can take you can take my life, but you can't take my freedom. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's John Proctor as well. With that, and I don't know if he actually said that, but in the play, at least that he won't sign his he makes a confession, but then he refuses to sign it because he has this great because it is my name, and I shall not get yeah. another. So good. I really love the Crucible. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So basically, it just a lot of people hated each other, and then started accusing each other of being witches and it became one hell of a clusterfuck. And it's and one it really of those things, escalated. again, that the stain never leaves you if you've been accused in this tiny yep. community. Even if nothing comes of it, you're always going to be like, oh, is she a witch? Is he a witch?
1: I think it's interesting how very different and how very similar the same time the American kind of trials like that are. Mm. That they are. like the I, The notion of dragging in everybody who is... Even who is like, hang on a minute! Like, oh, well, you must be a witch as well. Like that yeah. doesn't really happen in the European. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, know, you have to be exhibiting some fairly weird behaviour, or at least be clearly have done something that looks a bit like magic. Yeah, but just dragging in everybody who's involved. It's interesting that the amount of men again have been kind of from my like obviously know nothing about it, but were I to imagine it, I would have imagined like twelve women basically, mm-hmm. and no children, and were in my yeah. imagination. <laughs> and certainly no men being executed were in my imagination yeah which is just the way that like to answer john's question to a certain extent it's it's not really the straightforward misogynistic like just anti-woman yeah movement that is often painted as in popular literature it, it is about a, a lot of religious and ontological anxiety yeah you know? <laughs> which is not to say that there aren't which is not to say that people don't strength. use it for that purpose. Yeah, like, and like... That you know, there I are think, certainly misogynists.
0: Yes, and I think this period of history is so extremely patriarchal that anything that happens, the way that it affects women is different and...
1: Yeah, I and mean, like, you cooler. could say that about today as well. You absolutely could, It is, yeah. like, we, the, the Western Europe is patriarchal and therefore whenever something is, there is a movement, it is always the women who suffer the mm-hmm. most. Yeah. And...
0: And the same it, is then also true for you know, women of color and
1: yeah, exactly. poor women
0: and working class women like all of those things that make suffer you suffer slightly worse than yeah, white women
1: yeah completely and it is that is an unfortunate feature of the. The culture of Western Europe, uh, which we then exported to America, and that's gone mm-hmm. brilliantly. <laughs> but as a as a movement, it's several hundred years worth of pain, basically. Yeah, of Europe working itself out of how it feels about magic. If I think it's important to note that magic was something that was feared in almost all western societies there has never been a it's just what you consider magic to be to that has been changing and it, this is the point at which people started thinking that healing was magic and also people having fits was magic mm. but like the romans were very anti-magic they were always banishing witches and executing witches for various things and it get kind of depended on what you thought a witch was yeah but this just really ramps up <laughs> <laughs> Because of the dual pressures of what, like, Europe is changing really fast and really hard, basically. Like, you have the persecutions as a result of the Reformation. You have the Inquisition in Spain just before this, which is, again, trying to force everybody into a form of orthodoxy. Yeah. And what a lot of these witch trials are is trying to force an orthodoxy of behaviour and an orthodoxy of belief on people at the precise time when everybody is... Trying to pull away from orthodoxy of belief Yeah Because they are finding new ways to think about the world And to conceptualise belief and faith And yeah their I've, ontological perspectives I
0: think there's also a sense in which Everything feels wildly beyond everyone's control And on an individual and on a group level I think sometimes we are constantly just fighting for something That makes us f- feel the illusion of being in control of our lives Yeah and a way to do that is, you know. Burn use, a witch. Burn a witch. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or more
1: often hang one. <laughs> yeah, that's true. More often hang one. The burning is not that common.
0: Yeah. I feel like, I don't know why I have this impression, but I feel like the burning feels continental European, whereas yeah. England and America were, a, were hanging.
1: a hanging. I think that the burning is because quite a lot of, of catholics and protestants were burned yes. for being heretics yeah and because of fox's book of martyrs yeah i think that that are quite often they because they're happening at the exact same time the image of burned heretics and burned witches get merged together into one mm. um, and
0: there are some famous people who were burned for witchcraft like joan of arc was burned as a witch yeah so th- those sorts of particularly famous ones, stick in your mind in the image of someone being hanged as a witch is not as potent, so it doesn't stick It does
1: much. not, it does not. And also yeah. it really, like, Fox's Book of Martyrs really does make that stick in the mind.
0: <laughs> and there's something poetic to the idea of because fire is as a purifying force. You know, yeah. it's something that, it, there's there's a poetry in burning someone for witchcraft that is absent from hanging them.
1: It's true. Not but that hanging
0: it is. I actively. mean, obviously both of those are just horribly... <laughs> awful things to do a person I'm not saying burning a person is poetic but like there's a poetry and the reason behind it I think I do don't know, know. I'm just saying comes horrible out in
1: favor don't, of burning people. I don't
0: <laughs> think we should kill people I definitely don't think we should burn them alive but I just want to say there's a symbolism <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I'm glad that we are clear. <laughs>
0: me
1: too (laughs) on that one i did i wondered i'd always wondered what your feelings on burning people were. (laughs) yeah i'm (laughs) anti anti burning people right i'll make a night all right do you think we've answered those questions
0: i think we have good what are we going to talk about next time next time is kind of our
1: one year anniversary it'll be our 26th episode which is yeah kind of our yeah one year anniversary which is so exciting so we're going to be asking answering a question from victoria mccann who mm-hmm. asked us via facebook and she said before ad and bc what did people classify years as so we are going to be talking about how people mark and conceptualize time which is fun i might talk a bit about fake history and the people that believe that 900 years of european history have completely made up
0: oh yes <laughs> We might get into some young earth creationism as well, because that's always oh, fun. yeah. Mm.
1: See, there's so much we can talk about. So we're going to be talking about, we're going to go meta for the one year of <laughs> History is Sexy podcast, and we're going to talk about literally time. Mm-hmm.
0: Yay! Um, if you want to ask us a question, then you should do that. You can tweet us at SexyHistoryPod. Uh, yes, and you can email us at history,
1: oh no, at SexyHistoryPod <laughs> at gmail.com that's my turn to get it wrong or you can tweet me at at nuclear teeth or i am at j9 and if lovely producer oliver is at kiwa and you can also find us on facebook at at without the e (laughs) history pod and leave us reviews tell your friends you love us somebody said on twitter the other day that we are neither libertarians or
0: liberal democrats
1: which (laughs) is a massive
0: compliment that we definitely are not either of those things Uh, so that was nice (laughs) so tell your friends things like that that was that was good yeah and other than that happy new year i guess welcome to 2019 yeah let's hope it's better than the previous several years (laughs) (gasps) anyway bye janina bye bye